coming at you live from Master Closet Studios. You're listening to the only podcast on the internet that actually knows who Ruth really is. I'm totally lying because <laughs> nobody knows. Nobody knows what the heck just happened. It's the noobs and the Hoobian. My name is Austin. I'm the Hoobian. And these are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And, and we're the, the noobs. And this is the podcast that's introducing a whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each and every single week, except for when we don't, and then discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And, and two, two sons, sons who haven't. So welcome to episode number 173, covering series 12, episode 5, Fugitive of the Jadoon. This is the one where the Doctor and her companions, no more FOMO, Gojo, Rogo. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, I got all, got all yeah. that. That was it. Sure. Yeah. We got all that. It's a succinct language. Yeah. L- lang- lang- language? I just put a K in the word language. <laughs> and this is story number 291, I think. Is that right? 291? Sounds right. It originally aired January 26th, 2020 to 5.57 million viewers. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Uh, it was written by <laughs> Vinay Patel and Chibs, and it was directed by Nita Manzor, who we talked about last week, and I'm still not sure if it's Nita or Nida. So oh, okay. I said both now, so that's fine. Uh, the cast this week, is there anybody, was there anybody in particular, were, were there any standout guest stars yeah, that maybe I, were worth mentioning? I don't mentioning? think so. I mean, uh, nobody Jadun came back Enforcer after number a very three. long time. We had uh, <laughs> Jadoon Enforcer <laughs> number three. Hey, wasn't that a lot? We'll come back to that. Anyways, uh, the Fugitive Doctor, of course, was played by Joe Martin. I say the Fugitive Doctor because that's, that's what it's become. Okay, so for a while it was kind of like, in, in the fandom conversations, there was there was talk of the Ruth Doctor, and then it kind of settled on the Fugitive Doctor. Sometimes you'll hear both. Uh, so at any rate, the Fugitive Doctor is played by Joe Martin. Goes without saying here, but we're going to say it anyway. First person of color to portray the Doctor. So we had the first woman. Uh, well, first official woman to fully, full-time carry on the role. Because if you all remember, we talked about how in the, what was it? The Curse of the Red Death parody thing. Uh, years ago, the 13th doctor showed up and it was a woman. Um, but at any rate, um, so, so Chibs gave us our first female doctor and has now given us our first doctor of color. So that's awesome. Um, and, uh, Joe Martin seemed to me like I, I heard a lot of people go, I love Joe Martin. And it was one of those things like, you know, I'm an American. So I'm like, who, um, you know, she, I, I thought when I clicked on her IMDb, this week, I thought I was going to see all kinds of amazing stuff that I was going to be like, oh, that's who she mm. is. And I didn't. I was kind of surprised. <laughs> um, she played a prison guard or official or something in Batman Begins. High profile role. Yeah. So there's that. She probably died. <laughs> um, she played in EastEnders because she's British. Because who hasn't? Yeah. <laughs> and she played in Doctors, which mm. has, that's another, you know, common occurrence on, on the list here. But like, I didn't see anything that jumped out. Okay, so remember how we, we talk about on, on the IMDb profiles, there's um, there's like the full filmography, like everything that they've ever done. But above that, there's like a headshot and a short bio. And then there's the known for section mm-hmm. where it'll have anywhere from four to like a dozen movies that you can sort of scroll through. And it'll just be like, you know, the artwork for that movie or show or whatever. And it'll give year... TV show name or movie name and the character they played. Yeah. And either number one or number two was prison official Batman Begins. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not even known for Doctor Who. Uh, yeah. No, no, that was on there. 
obviously that was on there. But what I'm saying is one of the ones that made the list of like high, high profile roles, as Corbin yeah. said, was that she played a prison official in Batman Begins. And I don't even know if she had like lines. She must that. have done a stellar job in that <laughs> one scene she was <laughs> it really in. stood out. That's where people know her from. Uh, so at any rate, um, folks across the pond, fill, fill us in. Like what is what is her thing that everybody goes, oh, Joe Martin. Yeah, she does this. And I love that. Like I want to know what it is. Was it her amazing role in East Enders? I don't know. Like, and, and she had like several other credits. But again, mm. my limited knowledge of, of across the pond entertainment, these were the ones that stuck out to me. So guys, Noobs in the Hoobian is brought to you by Rhino Hogro. Did you know that one in six rhinoform suffers from receding or missing horn? <laughs> Don't try to hide it or cover over it. Order your very own supply of rhino no, what is it? Rhino, I wrote it. <laughs> rhino Hogro from the comfort of your own home, delivered in discreet packaging for maximum confidentiality. Rhino Hogro, get some today. Uh, the checklist, name of the episode, spoken in dialogue. No, so close. A couple of times. When? I mean, it's like, it. there were several mentions say, of fugitive. That's the fugitive of the Jadoon. Uh, right, yeah. It no wasn't one, really no. a fugitive of the Jadoon, though. Yeah. Was it? They were just the They were fugitive from the Jadoon? Yeah. 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 yeah, I don't know. It was some grammatical, maybe it's a British thing. I don't know. Uh, the creature of the week was the Jadoon. Uh, this was the first, check this out. This is really cool. Like, first of all, it's been a while since we've seen the Jadoon, right? Mm -hmm. But second of all, this is the first Russell T. Davies era baddie to appear in the Chibnall era. So by that, we mean a baddie slash creature that originated in the RTD era. This is the first one to show up in the Chibnall era. So you remember the first season, it was all new creatures and baddies, all new aliens, all new stories, all that kind of stuff. And then when it was time to bring back a villain, what did we do? We went back to the Earth. We immediately went back to the Daleks. And then the next episode that came out, what was the next baddie we brought back? Do you remember? It would have been Spyfall. Cybermen. Therefore, yeah. huh? No, the Master. Yeah, the Master. Yeah. And Cyber. then um, I'm trying to think. Since then, has that been it? Probably. That's been our only two. That's been our only two classic baddies, hasn't it? I mean, they've said uh, Cyberman before. Yeah, they've been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a mention this week. Um, so this is the first time that we had a, an RTD era baddie show up in the Chibnall. A new Who era baddie? Um, right? Cause might be the Daleks might and the be. Master. They were both classic Who. I feel like there was villains. one other. We haven't had any know. other. I mean, who else would it have been? Like, we haven't seen the Silence. We haven't seen. No, I'm trying to think. The Slovene. because it's only the past few episodes anyways yeah so we had the daleks so, yeah. the master the uh, master was spyfall parts one and two those were the first two yeah. episodes yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, uh the, like Scorpion tesla thing. which was mm -hmm. the weird aliens that, those were brand new right i yeah, think so are, yeah yeah so yeah There's this no might be the time. only new who era at all forget rtd yeah yeah so hmm, interesting now now i'm wondering because they phrased it that way does were there any Oh, of course there were. I was going to say, were there any Moffat era baddies who originated in the Moffat era? Uh, the Silence. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, uh, they got a bit of an upgrade. Yeah. The, uh, the Jadoon. Cool. They, their their, their puppetry awesome. was way better. Mm -hmm. First of all, their armor and their helmets was, that was amazing. Crazy. 
when, and I said to you guys, I was like, wait till he takes the helmet off. And what was, what was crazy is, uh, you'll notice, I, I started to say this earlier, there were a lot of Jadoon on the screen. Now, I think at any given time, it was only six. Mm. When they had the, the scene where like platoon oh. after platoon kept beaming in, it was always only ever oh, six. Yeah. And then only one of them ever removed their helmet. Only the captain was ever seen without his helmet on. And so, you know, obviously they, they saved some money by only making one head, but then they threw all the money they saved into that one head and made the animatronics and puppetry on that thing. Amazing. Yeah. Cause that thing looked awesome. First of all, it just, the, the level of detail was, was amplified. And then the level of motion detail was, was fantastic. So, um, (laughs) I love that taking their horn is the biggest insult possible. Is it though? Because apparently you can grab it with your bare hand and (laughs) rip it off. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the doctor having superhuman. (laughs) That'd be like, you know, horns are, are keratin. They're made out of the same thing as your hair and your fingernails. Yeah. Like if I just came up to you and ripped out your tooth. It'd be like That's ripping what I was gonna the say. hair in half. It'd be like, no, it'd be like grabbing somebody's fingernail and ripping it out of their <laughs> finger, like barehanded. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. I just, but did he rip it straight out of the skin or did she like it straight broke up off snap it? It, it snapped. She straight snapped. broke it. Yeah, there was like a stump left there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, that's, em- that's embarrassing. Impossible. <laughs> like, so the, um, okay, so, you know, we, we, we get all the, Rogo, Jomo, Dogobo, all that, all that stuff. The captain's name was, it's spelled P-O-L-K-O-N-D-O-N. So I don't know if you go with the O sound of everything. And is it Polkondon? I don't think so. I think it's, it's Polkondon. And that is because it was named in honor of one of Chris Chibnall's friends, Paul Condon. He took the name Paul Condon and just spelled it Jadoon-wise so it's Paul Condon. <laughs> is that Jadoon spelling though? Because I thought it always ends. That's what I'm out. saying. It's yeah. You, you normally it's just the own ish. Yeah, it's it's Jadoon adjacent. Yeah, and and it said uh, a late friend of Chris Chibnall. So apparently it was it was a friend who had died. I don't know when. If it like was in any sort of close proximity to him writing this episode or or what the what the occasion was that he decided to do that, but he did. Um, we had a reappearance of the psychic paper. Um, and he says, you're an Imperial regulator. And she just rolled with that. This is the first time I can remember in a while where whatever was on the psychic paper went just like the whole episode. It was like late, late, late in the episode. We got another call back to that. Um, you know what? I didn't write anything down in the TARDIS section, but do we want to talk a little bit about the TARDIS, i.e. the, the appearance of a second TARDIS here? I think we should, because that was definitely like the first Doctor's TARDIS. Yeah, it was an okay, interesting Okay, so, all right. All right. Corbin, drop down in the notes. I don't think I have a can we talk about. Just put can we talk about the Fugitive Doctor. And we will just, di- we will just dive whole hog into the TARDIS, the Sonic, or lack thereof, Joe. Uh, Joe. Uh, Joe. <laughs> Joe Martin as a person. Uh, no. Uh, we'll just dive into all of that stuff there rather than um, in the checklist because that's all I had on the checklist. <laughs> mm. <laughs> had nothing else whatsoever. Um, okay, needless sacrificial death did. Um, can we can we take a moment to 
to recognize that, uh, crap, I can't think of his name now. The guy that was the fake out fugitive, everybody, like they made it seem like he was the fugitive, but really it was just Ruth's husband, right? By the way, I thought they were more like a, they were a couple based off of the way Mr. Latte Man was talking to her. Yeah. yeah. And then it was like, she's like, I was married. I'm like, oh, wait, okay, so that's her husband? I don't know why I didn't think that before. I guess because of the way the coffee guy was talking. It was like he was trying to steal her away from her boyfriend, not Uh, her husband. Like, you jerk, back off. Um, Yeah, so anyways, we'll we'll, we'll talk about all that when we get down there. Um, Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. The reason I said that was needless sacrificial death. Here we had an actual sacrificial death that actually did something. It gave them time to get away. Oh, yeah. And it actually gave them time to get away. And it actually was needed that he stay there and stall them. It wasn't just... Somebody's got to try to shoot the Daleks with a pistol. It wasn't that. <laughs> he actually one second. Yeah, yeah. He actually stalled out the the Jadoon and then what's her name? Uh, Gat actually stalled them out long enough for uh, the doctor and the other doctor to <laughs> to get to the lighthouse and figure that whole thing out. You know. Given that he wasn't the fugitive, I'm now realizing they spent a really long time with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just letting the other doctor get away. Yep. Because they, they thought they had their their um, their quarry, their fugitive, the one they were after. So I thought they would know that. They never scanned him. They, yeah, they, they never scanned Remember Gat said, you haven't scanned him yet? Oh. And then he scanned him and it was like, fugitive negative or whatever. Like, they, because... Because the the doctor said we need to go in and arbitrate and everything, and then they come back out and they say arbitration yeah. complete, you can go in now, and they go in and that guy is in there. So he was a completely regular human that this doctor got to go along with her plan or whatever. Maybe. I'm not sure. You know, we didn't get any kind of answer to that. All it said was not the fugitive. Which not the fugitive could technically mean not human. Either. Yeah. Later oh, on, they they, de- they her, decrypted yeah. her bio cloak or oh, whatever. Wait, but they didn't decrypt his. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. He they could just be a, a Gallifreyan or whatever. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And he died, so we'll never know. We'll never know. Well, being as they they zapped him and he didn't regenerate, of course they they did kind of they obliterate did, him. Yeah. They yeah. Of course, they also obliterated Gat. I guess we only know that Gat was a Gallifreyan. We don't know that she's a Time Lord. Yeah, yeah. that could be the same with him. Yeah, yeah, could be. So we—that's the thing, man. We don't—we don't have a, a lot of information on that guy, um, which kind of fits in with his character throughout the whole episode. You know, the the yeah. coffee guy was like, he says he's from around here, but nobody knows him, and blah blah blah, and all that kind of stuff. So, all right. So other stuff we noticed at the very beginning. Uh, Ruth says, all right, Monday, do your worst. And all three of us went, don't no. say that Why? during a Doctor Who episode. Like, no. You can't do that. There's going you to be an alien invasion, that. space plague, you know, some sort of something. Space yeah. plague? I don't know. Alien zombie ghost vampires? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Alien <laughs> zombie ghost vampires? <laughs> gotta watch out for those. <laughs> Alien zombie ghost vampires. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Corbin thinks that all ear Alan got his name a different way, not because he listens a lot. 
Ollie <laughs> Allen ears. was the was the latte man, and Corbin's like, big ear I man, mean, gosh. he kind of does have some big ears, so I don't think that's why they call you Ollie Allen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I just remembered that they like murdered him. Oh, they straight up murdered him because he yeah. pushed the Jadoon. I feel like this, they like killing off the fun characters, don't they? That was yeah. That no was fun on that Dr. was a note Ooh. that I actually had was that uh, coffee shop guy Ollie Ears Allen. Didn't seem too worried about the rhino aliens. He straight up shoved the guy. Like, okay, what if they were human police? Yeah. In full riot gear, because that's essentially what the Jadoon were wearing, pointing weapons. Would you be like, shove? What the crap, dude? It's like he was trying to get murdered, you know? It's I I think that's one of those times where it was just sort of a little bit lazy writing to be like uh oh you know just got real the their stakes are high oh. here yeah yeah exactly that so, guy oh, no. that you only vaguely liked we didn't flesh out at all but we made sure you liked him so that we we kill him okay well, real, real quick did anybody like him because I didn't like him at no, all no I didn't I guess not I thought he was a turd he was <laughs> trying to like you're bad at latte art and you're trying to steal that woman from her husband he was just he like funny he was the only interesting thing going on in the episode and then they murder funny to laugh at sure yeah Yeah. not to laugh with yeah i'm not laughing with him for sure exactly and then of course we had the return of a platoon a platoon of jadoon near the moon because they weren't on the moon this time that was that was a stretch and then when she said your platoon of jadoon near that lagoon okay can we just say real quick mvp for yaz like was she even on screen? I feel like she said this from off camera. More of a canal? Absolutely yeah. ADR. Like that. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what, yeah, it was like somebody said, you know what? We need to punch up this scene. The, uh, the, the uh, Jadoon platoon near that lagoon didn't land as solidly as we hoped. So let's just have, let's have, bring in Yaz, Skype her in, bring her in on Zoom and just record her saying, more of a canal, really? Like, that was so, that was like, so why great. are you in this scene? Yes. Yeah, that was, no, be, that's why she was there for that line. Cause that line was amazing. Cause like, more of a canal. It's, it's, I love it when the companions reach a point where they start giving it back to the doctor. Yeah. Where they're not just like in awe of the doctor anymore. They're like, you're kind of full of crap sometimes, you know, and sometimes I'm going to call you out on that. You know, I just, I love that. All right. So who's who, who is Captain Jack? Captain He's Jack's back. back. Um, so he was last seen on Dr. Who in the episode, the end of time in 2010. Oh, wow. Dang. And years. he was, however, doing Torchwood through 2011. So if you remember, Torchwood ran concurrently, uh, with Doctor Who, I think it ran for four seasons, and they wrapped up. Um, he wrapped up that in uh, uh, 2011. Um, all the noobs out there, you guys, plus any of our listeners who haven't seen it before, knew the Jadoon were coming, right? Because it's in the title, mm-hmm, Fugitive yeah. of the Jadoon. You knew this was coming. Not so much with Captain Jack. Yeah. And Corbin, as we sat down to watch this episode, Corbin's like, you know, I kind of feel like not even reading the titles anymore because it's just, it's spoilers all around and all this kind of stuff. And I honestly had forgotten a little bit about Captain Jack appearing in this episode. And so when all of a sudden spoilers, there's like three massive reveals that he didn't even know about. I was was biting my tongue because I was like, Oh, he's sad about the Jadoon. He has no idea that there's a cannon breaking doctor that's going to appear, you know, like, 
but I Captain Jack. I had yeah, I had kind of forgotten about that, and that happens middle of the episode before we find out the reveal about the new Doctor. Um, And uh, as soon as Graham got scooped up, I went, "Oh yeah, this is the one where Captain Jack shows up for like a couple minutes." I thought that was so great. Um, I I was a little puzzled by by his appearance in this episode, just to be honest. Uh, Yeah. Because it kind of didn't go anywhere except like at the last minute. He spent so much time with the companions that he finally decides, all right, let me give you the the incredibly important message. Uh, Oh, but I'm halfway through it. I got zapped away or whatever. So anyways. Now, here's the thing. You guys knew the Jadoon were coming and didn't know about Captain Jack. The rest of us who were watching this in real time knew that the Jadoon were going to be there, oh, I don't know, a month, I mean, a month, a year in advance because they were releasing, you know, mm-hmm. on-set photos and the paparazzi were spotting the Jadoon and all this kind of stuff. So we knew the Jadoon were coming and then they called the episode Fugitive of the Jadoon. Like That's probably why they did it. They're like, oh, yeah, no, no, about no, it no, we, we've stolen all the thunder we can. Um, but there was the same, if not more, hype about Captain Jack in advance. There was so much conversation about him coming back. And I don't remember, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't remember how much of it was intentional hype and how much of it was leaks. And so, you know, like like it was out there and everybody knew, but it wasn't ever official. I, I genuinely can't remember. I do know that I read in the Wikia that uh, he filmed this in... Cardiff, I think. And he had to fake a renovation, a home renovation in Cardiff to explain why he was in Cardiff because they were keeping it under wraps. So at least during the filming, it was all a big secret. Now, I can't, again, I can't remember if it got announced ahead of time, you know, because the filming happens way in advance. So I don't remember at what point it became common knowledge that he was going to show up or if it ever was fully known, if it was just rumors, I don't know. But he, <laughs> so he came up with a cover story of he was doing home renovations and then he decided, well, I mean, if I'm going to have a cover story, I might as well go ahead and do the My renovations. <laughs> so he actually did home <laughs> renovations <laughs> at a place that he owned in Cardiff oh to, to go along with it. He was like, hey, you know what? That's not a bad idea. I could use a new not bathroom. <laughs> I need a new kitchen in there. So let's, let's do it. Um, oh, I loved his line. Seriously, three of you, <laughs> which I felt was a little fourth wally, where it was yeah, like yeah. you know, like you, we haven't had three companions since like I think since the first Doctor. Come on, writers. I, yeah, get with <laughs> He's the like, time. Really? I did love the the summation when uh, they're like, "You met you." Uh, the Doctor's like, "You met Captain Jack." Yeah, kind of cheesy is what Ryan said, and then uh, Yaz says, "But a good cheesy," you know. And uh, apparently the Wikia pointed out that uh, Mickey also called him cheesy when summing up their first meeting. It was like, kind of kind of cheesy. So I thought that was great. Uh, Corbin, take this section here, who is Ruth Clayton, and drop it down into the uh, can we talk about section. All right. All right. So who is Ryan Sinclair? My notes are about to go bananas on me here, I bet. Um, he, Ryan is Jack's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. That there was, was a, lot of, a lot of great banter. Uh, with all four of them. I thought that was, I love when current companions meet former companions. Yeah. Like when Donna met Rose, when was it Martha met Sarah Jane? 
Was it Martha? Yeah, I think it was Martha. Was it Martha or was it Donna? Wait. Wait, it Donna. Was, it was Donna. It was the episode with the gargoyles and, and Uther Pendragon was, was the... Yeah, was, was that? Oh, principal. yeah. Was that Martha or and Donna? Canine that was, was there. Donna. Yeah, K nine was there, so yeah, it must have. Yeah, 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 it must have been uh, Donna. So, I I love that. Like, um, when um, uh, what was it? Sarah Jane Smith was like, "Does he still stroke the console?" Like, yeah, um, like you two need a room, you know, like all this kind of stuff. I love. It. Now, actually, that might have been that might have been Donna and Rose. Now that mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it, that interaction that I just back? remember when she came back. Remember, she was like in the background of a bunch of scenes. During one season, and then she she finally like made the jump across the void from from uh, Pete's universe and all that kind of stuff. No. The Meta Crisis Doctor. None of this is ringing oh, a bell. The Avengers yeah, episode yeah. where that was with Donna. every yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, I was saying it was Sarah Jane and and Rose, but I, I Sarah Jane and 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 Donna, but I think it was Rose and Donna yeah. when Rose was like. Uh, uh, does he still sh- stroke the console or whatever? You know, whisper to it. And all I that feel like stuff. we've forgotten more of this show. We probably we yeah. I mean, you like, know, it would be great as you go back and watch. You know, uh, some like when we rewatched Rose, it was like, oh my gosh, this show has come a long oh. way. Yeah, yeah. So, and we do have some plans for that, by the way. I think I know we've talked about. It. I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast. We do have some plans to uh, kind of round out after we do season thirteen and whatever. Um, classic who connections we had left on the on the list we were going to do like a top five and cover the best episode from each of the new who doctors and then the worst episode (laughs) (laughs) then we're going to cover the worst episode of each classic who doctor no what (laughs) i thought that was all of them there it is is. (laughs) jared's like come on guys jared is punching his iphone now uh who is i said iphone that time i ruined the joke yeah uh, who is Graham O'Brien? Second time he's been mistaken for the doctor. That was funny. That oh, was yeah, great. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, the, what was it, Agent C or whatever, uh, thought of, but the doctor is a man. She goes, I've had an upgrade. Um, who is Yaz? Yeah, um, space police and British police are basically the same, Corbin pointed out. <laughs> She's like, I'm a police officer. I speak I, their language. Speak their like, language. you literally don't yeah, speak their language. Like, yeah. <laughs> Rojo, Fojo, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's all Don't worry, guys, Corbin, I got this. Yeah, Corbin looks at me and goes, uh, so space rhino police and British police, same thing? Or, okay. Yeah, they, they speak identical. the same identical. There's, there's probably some overlaps. I don't know. Uh, but then, like I said, she faced down the Jadoon pretty fiercely. She was not taking any crap like off of them. One police word in the entire yeah. thing. The what? arbitrating thing. That's like the only thing she said. Uh, that, she didn't even come up with that. The doctor did. The, oh. <laughs> so she said nothing that a normal person couldn't have said. That's funny. Like, um, who is the doctor? Out. Apparently she's been spending hours at the control trying to find something. And she thinks that the companions haven't noticed. Is she uh, just like staring at Google Maps? Like, <laughs> like what is she doing? Tardis version of Google Maps. So, yeah. Apparently she leaves them on Earth every now and then and goes out, quote, for an hour. and uh, But then she's always late. And she reveals that she's... Uh, she's going home alone. And they're like, uh, we're your friends, doctor. What's the deal? Um, there's a great line where the fugitive doctor says, uh, is there even a word for how dumb you are? And she says, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. 
Um, I don't remember why I wrote this down because I don't remember who said it to who. She's kind of testy. Who's, who said that? Somebody said that about, about Whitaker? Um, mm-hmm. About the doctor? Who knows? I wrote it down. No idea. It seemed important at the time, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know my own past. I lived through it. I thought that was a great line. Wow. I was like, oh, uh, yeah. Never thought about it that way, but sure. Um, she, oh my gosh. All right, Corbin. I'm just going to push the microphone away and, and let you have at it. Mm-hmm. So, so welcome to this week's episode of Corbin has feelings. We, we've been on hiatus for a little bit, but we're back with a vengeance. <laughs> so we have uh, the climactic scene where the fugitive doctor is facing off against Gat, whoever the crap. I was not paying attention. I don't know who she is, why she matters. She's a Gallifreyan she's, agent. She's a Gallifreyan who knows the something. fugitive doctor somehow. Yes. I think it may be less that I was not paying attention and more they didn't tell us anything. So Yeah, kinda. The 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 she steals the doc the fugitive doctor's gun and she's gonna shoot her with it. And the fugitive doctor's like, Oh, don't press that button. Bad things may happen. <laughs> so how, does she, how does she sound when she <laughs> I mean she wasn't being that ridiculous. She was like, You shouldn't do that. You know, oh, the normal I, I thing. Do that if I were you. And then of course Gat pulls the gun and it backfires and, and murders so her. And the thirteenth doctor gets Goes angry off, at the fugitive doctor for doing that. Like yeah. she is like, You you did that on purpose. You knew the gun was you, gonna blow up you, when she used it. You. And then the fugitive doctor's like, I warned her. And that that interaction is like the exact interaction the doctor has had a million times with the roles <laughs> reversed. Where the doctor, the interaction of reversing the weapon. You mean? Yeah, where the doctor, yeah. the doctor tricks someone into killing themselves, yeah. and someone else is like, "Uh, you know that." Okay, like I saved it for the podcast. It on purpose. I saved it for the podcast. Um, actually, wait a minute. We may have watched this episode together. I think we did a classic. Did, okay, did we do a classic Who connection where the doctor tricked the Daleks into launching a weapon that blew up Scarrow? Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. He didn't reverse the weapon and make it kill the person who pulled the trigger. He made it kill every member of that being's species. And I just blew up Scarrow. Like, and and was like, oopsie doodle. I told him not to pull the trigger. What? And, okay, even if you want to say, like, each regeneration of the doctor is different. Maybe she has different morals. No, she doesn't. She did the same thing in the first episode where she reversed the weapon on yeah. who he was his face and caused him to DNA bomb Tim himself. Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw. <laughs> no, it's fine though. He came back later and she killed him again. <laughs> they didn't kill him that time. They locked him up for presumably all of eternity yeah. or until the stasis pod breaks they, down they and he can go back on another super Hitler murder rampage. And I just, she like... She did this exact thing where she reversed the enemy's weapon and you say it didn't kill him. She had no reason to think it wasn't going to. He clearly was on the edge of survival for the past thousand (laughs) years just because of that one bomb. She knew that was going to kill him. And then like, but... The doctor's and, saying, and when it's not me, like, it's don't, not don't allowed. Don't take the moral high ground. I was like, that, yeah. I yes. just, yeah. Yes. This is absolutely the doctor saying, me, it only counts when I kill them. Okay. Yeah. 
I know we've been harping on this for for two seasons now. <laughs> I yeah. Because it keeps happening. Yeah. Did this happen pre-chibs? Is this a chibnall problem? I, I think it's just chibs. I feel like it, when it, it, it's happened once or twice where it's like, oh no, guns. No, but I mean, never so, okay, bad. okay. Like, like, let's recall when, all the way back to the first season where the doctor previously he was all like, we shouldn't kill, we shouldn't kill, and then in the fifth episode, Dalek. He goes nuts and tries to murder that Dalek with a gun. And that was like him breaking his cardinal rule. Okay. So they have done this. No, 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 no. They haven't. Because what you just said is different. Because the example I was going to bring up was the 10th Doctor pulling a World War II era pistol from Wilf, pulling it on the Master and 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 Rassilon. Remember, he was pointing it back and forth between the Master yeah. and Rassilon. That scene rips your heart out and stomps it on the floor in front of you because you can see the pain on Tennant's face because he is pointing a gun, first of all, Mm -hmm. at his best friend and his president. Yeah. And trying to determine which is the least horrendous act to take right now. And the internal conflict is... Everything I'm doing right now goes against everything I stand for. Like, Whereas Chibs is like, meh. You can only 50, murder 50. when I say you can murder. Yes. Like it's yeah, 50, always, 50. if the doctor is going to kill someone outright, I think except for rare occasion in the past, it's been like very intentional. Like we always reference him murdering a bunch of babies, but that was his <laughs> darkest hour. Like that was yeah. really bad. And even that's in the, the point midst of the and, show and so, so much so that we find out in turn left that if donna hadn't been there it would have resulted in his own death yeah. that's how unhinged he yeah. was about uh who i was about to say the skithra but it wasn't who uh the Ragnos. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. that's how unhinged he was that's how unhinged eccleston's doctor was about seeing a surviving dalek he lost his mind because of because of all of the trauma involved there but that's not what we're doing here. Yeah. We're not taking yeah, here. Like, we're picking and choosing. We're not breaking the rule to show that the character is flawed. Yeah. To show to the point. extremity of the situation. That's not what we're doing. We're breaking the rule because the rule is whatever we want the rule to be. I do feel like, though, there was a time somewhere between like the end of 10 to the start of 12. Like, Somewhere so the eleventh Doctor's time, <laughs> yeah, not, just like during that Somewhere era between the tenth and twelfth Doctor. Yeah, but um, I felt a little bit more like the Doctor had started to kill enemies less, but they never were. They weren't constantly harping on "don't kill anyone." Yeah, and it was always this understanding of like if he feels the threat is too dangerous. He will kill them. Yeah, it's never been. It's like the rule kind of changed, though. Yeah, it's always been like exactly do, but it's never been like the theme of this season. Because I feel okay. Because again, if Chibnall, if the Chibnall era has suffered from preachiness, it has been the fact that yes, he occasionally pulls out his soapbox very poignantly and sets it on the ground and slowly stands upon it to pontificate. About if you don't start recycling, you're going to turn into a horrible monster that breathes carbon dioxide. <laughs> yeah. Um, only Still stupid cool, people though. and soldiers, which are the same thing. And, and you know, 
kill people with guns, you know, like these kinds of things. And it's been this, it's been this in your face pontification that you, you can't, you cannot do that and then be wishy-washy about the rule. If, if Matt Smith's doctor was wishy-washy about rules, it was done to comedic effect. Yeah. You never get yeah. involved until you see a child cry? Okay. Now that I'm thinking about I think it has to do with the showrunners. Because I think what I'm describing is the Moffat era where they yes. got a little less concerned yes, with the uh-huh. never kill rule. And but they were like, if they it's dangerous, they weren't the going to either extreme. They weren't saying, oh, it's fine when I do it. Let's just go kill everybody. Then, oh, the next. Like literally the same episode. No, you can't go killing people. Right. Yeah. Right. And I feel like it it's and again, listeners, point out where we're where we're wrong and, and where our blind spots are, but I feel like it's just it's not unheard of before Chibnall, but it is more pronounced. Way more three, and again, it's more pronounced partly, I think, because he these episodes make such a big deal about so many moral issues. Yeah. So much. They're, <clears throat> they're always trying to drive like a point home. The running theme, though. <clears throat> right. I mean, I don't think Doctor Who has been free of politics. No, absolutely not. Absolutely but not. But it's just the level at which Chibnall does yeah, it. And then the inconsistency the within that, where he tries to preach one message, and then the Doctor will do something completely mm. opposite of what he's been saying. Yeah. So I think part of it is like you could take these two seasons that we've we've covered of Chibnall and you can almost turn the episode list into a laundry list of social justice slash political hot button issues, right? So think about, think about what have we, what have we tackled so far? Racism, Mm -hmm. uh, from every possible angle, gun violence, right? The environment, uh, workers' rights. Oh, when we had Space Amazon, mm-hmm. you know, um, sexism, if which there, just comes with oh yes. a female dog. Oh yeah, if there is not an episode in season thirteen coming up that somehow, in some way, addresses vaccines or masks, mm-hmm. I will be shocked. Yeah, if but they don't land on a planet that's in the middle of a pandemic. And they point out how some people are so dumb that they do X, Y, and Z. Mm. I'm going to go, yeah, of course that's what we're going to do in this season of this show. Obviously. And that's that's the problem that I have with it is, okay, so on the flip side, you have a show like uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay? Brooklyn Nine-Nine is one of these dumb, smart shows. Smart, dumb shows? Smart, dumb shows. Like The Good Place, right? Mm. You have um, existential, uh, a, a great academic breakdown of existential nihilism followed by a fart joke. You know, that level, right? Brooklyn Nine-Nine kind of does that. Partly because it's also, uh, crap, I can't think of the guy's name. Who's the creator of The Good Place? Yeah. Bah! You'll think of it. Uh, he, he's also part of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, over its, I don't know, eight seasons, uh, it just wrapped up uh, its final episode. And I think it was eight seasons total. And over the course of those eight seasons... They did an episode where a character came out as bisexual. They did an episode where um, uh, one of the black police officers in the show was off duty, out of uniform, in his own neighborhood and got harassed by a white police officer. 
they did um, the, <clears throat> okay, the chief of the precinct is a black gay man. And so there were all kinds of episodes that dealt with his struggles, both as a black cop in the 60s and 70s, a gay cop in the 60s and 70s, and a gay captain now. You know, like it, they, and, but again, over eight seasons, they have hit a lot of stuff. Yeah. Right. And then the whole, basically, they took the entire eighth season and scrapped it after everything went down with George Floyd. They basically rewrote the eighth season because they wanted to more pointedly address those issues. Right. And there was, and I, and I remember watching the episode where they were like, here we go. And it was bad. It was bad. The reason it was bad is because I, if I didn't know what I just told you, if I didn't already know the behind the scenes level of they went back and redid this, I would have known that that episode got redone and rewritten to address that issue because it was so in your face and ham fisted. Again, I didn't disagree with a single thing they said. But it's just the it way was just like it. there was a certain point in the episode where it was the end of Orphan Fifty Five. Yeah, where one of the characters spun a chair it's around like, backwards right, and straddled it. it and said, "Okay, kids, let me tell you the lesson from today's episode." Like, all right, you know, we've already discussed this seven times. Why do we yeah. keep going? And this back? is in a twenty-five minute comedy, by the way. Mm. Yeah, and so it was rough. So again. It's like when you veggie tales the levels fir- of uh, almost yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good thing either like that's a children's show yeah 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 that's what you expect exactly out of a children's show exactly and that's my point is those first seven seasons of Brooklyn Nine Nine dealt with the stuff in situations and it made sense and it, and it was spread over seven seasons yeah. it wasn't okay this season here are the seven different issues that we're going to handle, which I feel like is what season 11 was for Doctor Who. Season 11 was, here are the handful of things that are in the headlines. We're going to hit all of them. We're going to hit all of them terribly. And then disregard the the next episode. Some better than others. Yeah. Some better than others. And then when they decided that they were going to take the already existing trope of the doctor doesn't like guns. The doctor doesn't prefer military uh, interactions and and the military in general and, and those kinds of things and sort of like raise that to a whole other level, but then not be consistent about it. That's, that's what, that's what gets me so much about, uh, about this whole era. And again, this, this was, I felt like that scene, if Corbin, if you had, if I hadn't seen this episode and you saw it, and you told me that scene, I would think you were lying to me, that you were joking with me and going, yeah, I guess what Chibs did this week. He literally had the doctor, a different doctor that we didn't know, reverse the polarity on the gun so that it killed the person that pulled the trigger. And then Whitaker's doctor went slap off on her. And I would have said, no, that's that not a, a joke. Good, good joke, Corbin. You really lampooned the Chibnall era there by by making a ridiculously in your face, over the top example. And oh, then, it, wait, but then, happened. but it's what happened. It's an oh, on the nose like, metaphor for this season. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. So wait, you let your ten year old kid write this that's episode? Gotcha, gotcha. That is my point. Yeah. So uh, okay. Anyways, 
Last thing about the doctor. Uh, <laughs> she says, I've lived for thousands of years. Here we go, folks. Put it to bed. We're not talking about this anymore. So many, I've lost count. All right. Nice one. Stop the speculating. Mm-hmm. We're done. We're calling it. We're, call- we're officially we're calling, calling it. it. Nobody knows. Nobody, not even the doctor knows. We've hinted, we've hinted before that the doctor didn't know. We've hinted before that the doctor lost count or that the doctor has been lying. And that's why sometimes he's 900 and other times he's 700. Eh, Nope, forget it. He's lost count. She's lost count. Never even known. Yeah. And apparently uh, lost track of her generations too, because we've got this whole fugitive doctor thing. Which brings us to, hey, can we talk about the fugitive doctor? Can we? Can we please? Can we, can we please? Um, needless to say, needless to say, uh, this did not get spoiled for me because I, I learned my lesson during Spyfall and went Twitter dark. 20 minutes. So forget 20 minutes. Oh, a day and a yeah. half. Heaven help me if I couldn't manage for whatever reason to watch the episode on Monday night after work. If I couldn't watch Doctor Who Monday night after work, I didn't open my computer. I was just like, I'm not going online because I don't know. There's going to be a pop-up ad that's going to be like, guess what? Ruth is the fugitive doctor. Joe Martin, special guest stars as a doctor you've never heard of. Like I was not having it. So unskippable ad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Somehow this didn't get spoiled for me. And I peed a little. I mean, this was so great. And you guys were like half asleep on the couch. And I'm like, there been man, when I looked at y'all when when we found we found out that that was the master, and I looked at y'all and y'all were just nonplussed. I was like, man, they're just dead inside. And then I thought this one will get them. No, no reaction. I mean, I think I can't remember if mom was still watching it with me at this point. It doesn't matter whether I was alone in the house or if your mom was sitting next to me. I think I jumped off of the couch. I'm not positive, but I think I jumped slash fell off the couch and went, what? Sorry. Sorry about your ear holes there. Maybe, maybe Corbin can jumped fix that. Post. Slash fell. I jumped up vertically and then fell to the ground in a heap. Um, this, this was amazing. Okay. So uh, let's just talk a little bit about, um, about, Ruth Clayton slash the fugitive doctor. She started working on instinct, fighting off a bully. That was your first hint that this was the doctor, by the way. She just like snapped to and was like, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, it's like I was going on instinct, fighting off a bully. But doctor doesn't like bullies. She's yeah, 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 the fighting part, not the fighting part. She's a better not the, doctor. Not the born identity part. Yeah, we've been the born identity. We've barely seen the doctor do hand-to-hand fighting. Not what I meant. Not ever. what I meant. Her line about, she I was fighting off a bully. Spoon. You know what I'm saying? Didn't the 11th uh, doctor beat someone with a sword using a spoon? Uh, there was the 12th wow. doctor, Robin oh, yeah. Hood. He yeah, defeated Robin, Robin Hood. He beat Robin with Hood a with a spoon. spoon. But that's not hand-to-hand. Like, it's... The doctor ever does that. It it's was that. a spoon, dude. That's the definition of hand-to-hand. Whatever. There's weapons, but it's still hand-to-hand. It's not pistols. Um, she was using a biological cloak. I, I'm I'm, kind of confused as to why it took Whitaker's doctor so long to understand a chameleon arch. Yeah. It was like, I don't know why that dumbfounded her the way that it did. Like the Sonic, so you, the Sonic you used a chameleon arch. You mean like we've done with you before? <laughs> yeah, like, and then the master did once before that thing? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, presumably the fugitive doctor did 
exactly what David Tennant did when he posed as John Smith for half a year or however long it was. It's the same thing. Took a companion along with and to protect and guard the secret and blah, 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 and knew how to release the the energy out of the chameleon circuit to bring it all back. Like all, It's like exactly what David Tennant did. It's exactly, well, except for the companion part, it's exactly what the master did. Anyways. Um, okay. There was another hint that I, I never noticed this before. When, there was a scene where they're walking, or maybe they were driving? No, they were walking side by side. And the fugitive doctor was remembering the lighthouse. And so like, it was weird. The lighthouse kind of like appeared superimposed over the two of them walking down the thing. And the lighthouse was over Whitaker's face, kind of obscuring her face. And then it just panned like the camera that was filming the lighthouse panned in such a way that the lighthouse slid from the 13th doctor's face to over top of the fugitive doctor's face. Really, really subtle. It was really subtle. And if you have no idea that this is the doctor, it did it, it, it wouldn't even register. It didn't register to me the first time, but it it was there over her face. And I was like, why is it over? And then it just went zoop and slid around her. Why, I was, huh? I was wondering why they did that because it looked. It was yeah. so weird on its own, but I think it was a hint. I think that's what it was. Not a hint that anyone would get. That. No, 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 no. Of course not. No, no, no. Just, just like you know, uh, everything. Imagery. All of the breadcrumbs dealt, d- didn't make any sense until you got the reveal. Okay. Um, and then I just wrote, of course, she's the doctor with all caps and like seventeen exclamation points. Um, she's got a job. The doctor, thirteenth uh, doctor, says you you have a job. She goes, not really. I mean, not one that you can apply for, and not one that you can leave. It's like, ooh, oh, like, wow. what, is, hey, what does that mean? Um, I it was called school. Okay, I'm going to make a note here because we're going to do some wild speculating later, but she's the, the 13th Doctor says that the Fugitive Doctor is in 13's past because she doesn't know anything about the destruction of Gallifrey. Mm. She also didn't know anything about the Sonic. Oh, yeah. Didn't know what a Sonic screwdriver was at all. Had no point of reference. Um, now... Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, we, we started to talk about her TARDIS. I I just mentioned the bit about the Sonic. Um, y'all started talking about her TARDIS. What were y'all saying about that? It's kind of looked like the original one. Yeah. That's all I was saying. But honestly, I don't think that's enough to try and place the doctor at all. No. Given to try and what? To place place like like where this regeneration happened. Because given that, uh, uh, who, Stephen Moffat was it Stephen Moffat who did all the math to try and figure out like how many regenerations yes. the doctor had used yeah Moffat that. was the one that came up with like the half regeneration and the aborted regeneration and then to just throw all that all out the window by having this unknown doctor be in there yeah I, I don't like think there's any point trying to speculate because at this point they're just going to make up whatever they want so that so they can make this can work. you imagine that there was some speculation after this episode came out I can <laughs> Would you believe me if I said more than one blog post was written? <laughs> there were there were at, at least, least two. There were at fact. least three videos on YouTube about this. At <laughs> least you saw, and I think there were probably seventeen podcasts that started just because of because this episode. Now I got to get into something here. So um, yeah, anyways, the the TARDIS was not spot on. 
the first doctors, but definitely more reminiscent. Yeah. Right. Had the black and white, like had the white with little bits of black uh, in the center console and stuff like that. Definitely had the octagon shaped back. It was all very, very, very reminiscent of, of the first doctors. Now it is said in this episode that she celebrated her 44th birthday. By the way, I remember all, the, the episode begins with us finding out all of this took place on her birthday. Oh yeah. It says it was her 44th birthday. This episode aired 44 years and two days after the episode, The Brain of Morbius, which was in, obviously, in Classic Who. Mm -hmm. Now, The Brain of Morbius is a very well-known episode to a lot of of Doctor Who fans because there's this casual little thing that happens that has had speculative ramifications for decades to come, obviously. In the episode, which I actually haven't seen, admittedly, the doctor gets into some sort of, I don't know, mind battle or something, psychic battle. And there is, um, what I think with Morbius is, is the baddie of the week. And so they're sort of like connected to this machine that is sort of showing, I don't know, their thoughts or something like that. And in the course of that episode, which, uh, crap, I can't remember, um, I can't remember which doctor it was now. Um, might have been the fourth or fifth. I don't know. But during the, during this battle se- sequence, you see displayed on the screen the doctor's face. And let's just, for the sake of argument, let's say it's the fourth doctor, right? So you see Tom Baker, right? Then it switches and it's the third doctor. Then it switches, it's the second doctor. Then it switches, it's the first doctor. Then it switches, it's some other face. And you look at it and you can tell by like the hat and maybe a scarf or something like, oh, this is supposed to be the doctor, right? Mm-hmm. It's very doctor-esque style. Head and shoulders shot. That's all it is. It switches again to another face. Switches again. It shows four or five other faces we've never encountered before. Wow. Side note, production level, it just so happens that those faces were all like, random staff members <laughs> that they grabbed and said, here, you put on this hat and this cloak and stand over here. Like and, five uh, random people played the doctor question mark. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't even think they're credited or anything like that. So in the context of the episode, it is very clearly saying that these were incarnations of the doctor that predate the Hartnell doctor. Okay. And so, of course, speculations for decades. What does this mean? How do they fit in? Is William Hartnell the first doctor? And if you'll recall, I think, I think we were at Matt Smith when we said this is the first on-screen official mention that he is the 11th doctor. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to the conversation, Corbin, that you mentioned about Moffat doing the, the crazy regeneration math. If I remember correctly, it was in that conversation that we officially got on screen in a Doctor Who episode from the mouth of the Doctor, I am the 11th Doctor. I'm the 11th one to bear the name. And he had to do the whole explanation about how he's actually the 13th regeneration because of all the stuff we just mentioned, but he is the 11th Doctor. So all the others just don't count. (laughs) No, no. So that's the thing is you made it official. You made it, I'll use the C word, canon. You made it 
the official thing that he is the 11th, therefore 11, 10, 9, the war doctor doesn't count because he wasn't a doctor, right? He didn't use the name. And then you go on back and you get William Hartnell is the first doctor. And so we've officially, finally made it real. But there could be generations before that moniker, right? We have nothing other than the brain of Morbius that would even hint at that. But this, the fugitive doctor, calls herself the doctor. And that's my point, is you take the brain of Morbius and you now have the fugitive doctor. Why you got to try and retcon all this lore building they've done to establish, all right, this is how many reincarnations we have. How many more hidden doctors well, are there okay, going to so be? Well, okay, so that's the thing, is we already broke the rule, right? Because some jack and ape back in the 60s or 70s decided, we're going to cap it at 13, uh, 12 regenerations, 13 incarnations, because heaven knows this show will never run that long. Whoops. 20, uh, who, 30 who, years later. Yeah, who would have known we would have a 60th anniversary episode of Doctor Who? Who would have guessed? Um, and so, again, Moffat wrote a blank check. He not only wrote a blank check by giving the Doctor a new set of regenerations, he specifically said multiple times in multiple episodes, what did I get? Another 13? I don't know. Who knows? It's fuzzy. We're not sure. I think the president, Rassilon himself said, how many regenerations did we give you? And the doctor's like, hand wave him. Blah, blah, blah. Nope, know. nope, <laughs> nope. Get, get right? one from every So Moffitt, right? <laughs> Moffitt very wisely painted himself out of that corner, not himself, painted did Doctor Who staff for all time out of the corner. He broke the 13th regeneration's leg so hard that it would never mm-hmm. stand again. Correct. Correct. Knee capped it <laughs> officially on screen and did it, didn't do it in a novel, didn't do it in an audio adventure, yeah. did it on screen from the doctor's mouth Two doctors. I guess we'll never know. Two doctors and <laughs> Rassilon, the Lord President himself. Guess what, guys? Stop wondering. We it's unlimited regenerations from here on out. We 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 don't care about the rules anymore because we are never going to put ourselves into a position again where we are going to run out of regenerations. It's not going to happen. Hey guys, I'm happen. Chris Chimnall. Let's dive straight back into those thirteen regenerations. <laughs> Mess it up even more. <laughs> Like, by the way, by the way, spot on Christian. <laughs> Is that what he sounds like? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Corbin's like, did I accidentally do a good impression? Like no, that would be sarcasm. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so at any rate, you have the you have this history with the brain. So, of course, all the speculation runs crazy, right? Now, one of the one of the more popular theories that was going around for a while, I haven't I haven't heard anything new about it in a long time. I haven't heard anything new about this entire conversation in a long time for obvious reasons. You know, off seasons, there's no new material. Um, there was a great theory floating around that, do you guys remember us talking about how the se- second doctor started his regeneration scene and then it just sort of, that episode sort of fades to black? Um, yeah. And the next season begins, by the way, in color, 
we switched from the second doctor to the third and upgraded to color. It begins with him stepping out of the TARDIS and collapsing. He wasn't in the TARDIS. At the end of that season, he was not in the TARDIS. If I remember correctly, he was on Gallifrey standing before the Time Lords and was forced into regenerating. And so the next time we see him, he falls out of the TARDIS on Earth as a third, as a new regeneration. We don't even see the regeneration end. He he falls out and rolls over and boop, there he is. That's it. That's that's the that's your new doctor. That's so it. Anything could have happened there. That's the theory. Is what if the fugitive doctor is a is is the two and a half doctor or something like that? Which I'm like, okay, my biggest problem with that, if you're gonna stay consistent, my biggest problem with that is we've established in canon that Smith was the 11th doctor. Like we, yeah. maybe we, we said remember that. it because Forced regenerations don't count as an actual regen. Some bull crap. Maybe yeah. someone's going to be made no, up. No, he can't, again, he can't remember the fugitive doctor because oh, so he doesn't even they met. Cause oh, remember they met oh, each other. Okay. We've established that as like, if they're in the same area, then they can't remember it. Okay. So you're saying that the, uh, the reason Matt Smith went through all that is because he doesn't have any memory uh, which would fit, yeah. Because Whitaker doesn't remember. Her. Yeah. But so so at any rate, the there are multiple speculations that um, uh, the first big theory was this is an alternative universe doctor, yeah. and uh, Chibnall said nope. What he officially said nope. This wow. is the original universe, real, and this and he said this is the doctor. There's. We're not tricking you. Can't go around saying that, man. What you- I, well, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, like, nope, it's official. This is the doctor from this universe, right? Wow. So beyond that, he won't say anything. Um, there's been conversation about, uh, is it an in-between regeneration that for some reason doesn't count? Is it a pre-Hartnell? Um, obviously, a lot of fans were incensed that how dare you suggest that the Hartnell doctor was not the first doctor? Okay. All this kind of stuff. Um, there was even speculation that she is the Valiard or something. I'm like, ah, I, just, at all. Um, I feel like they've now opened themselves up to infinite futures to mess with. And instead, they're just going to sure. keep dipping back into the past. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. So, um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, it, it is interesting that in an era of looking to the future no classic baddies for a whole season, all that kind of stuff. And moving forward, it's to me, it's the Star Trek Enterprise effect where once Star Trek decided to do a prequel series, now they're like addicted to them. It's like, uh, now we're going to have Discovery take place before the original series. And we're going to have, um, we're going to have Lower Decks take place in between uh, Voyager and Picard and, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, hey guys, why not just like, you know, like move forward. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Do some new stuff. It's fine. Also love. So then they overcompensated by sending them 3,000 years into the future. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what? That's not what I meant at all. I just love. Or was it 900 years into the future. Anyways, it, it was a long yeah, time. Absolutely. They've obviously been emphasizing quite a lot that oh, this is the first woman doctor ever, both in-universe and out-of-universe. And then they're like, oh, but actually, there was a female doctor. No, no, no. They, they, they literally have said, and this is something that 
again, was like, wait, what? The doctor has said things like, it's been a while since I had to wear women's clothes. Yeah. What? And like, also, if we only have Hartnell forward, th- what? When? Like, when were you buying women's clothes? But um, Was Tom Baker wearing women's clothes? Because I don't remember that episode. Yes. I feel like, didn't she directly mention the possibility of having been a woman before yeah. and not remembering? Uh, I feel like that's something they've done. It sounds like something they would have which said. Which is strange because I feel like previous to now, the doctor has been very cognizant of all of his past regenerations. Yes. Yeah. Even if he doesn't remember how old he is, like he definitely remembers everyone he's ever like met. Like Matt Smith said, I, will, I won't forget a single line. I'll always remember when I was me. And or when the, the doctor doctor's me. like, I don't know, I could have been a woman sometime. No, then I don't really yeah. remember. Like, I don't know. Come on, guys. This is bad writing, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is they you have a hard time when you do a show for this long because the original premise of Doctor Who was the who part, the question mark, the yeah. mystery. Oh. Who is this guy? Who is this? We don't even know he's an alien for a few episodes, you know, and didn't hardly know that at the beginning of the reboot, you know, like, um, and, and then we kind of started to get away from that where he was the most famous being in all of the universe. And so they sort of hit the reset button and erased him from all of the databases in the known oh, universe yeah. and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But then you have things like, uh, you know, the doctor at various points in various regenerations saying, I could come back as anything. I could come back with two heads. Imagine that me with two heads oh, yeah. and Matt Smith saying, Oh good. I still have legs. Like you've always been a white British guy. Yeah. Always. You've Humanoid always been a white, white British guy. With a British accent. A lot of places yeah. have a North. Like, you've never, so far that we've seen, you've never once come with, like, tentacles. Yeah, well, or two heads. Any, or no nose. Or any other Time Lord. Any other either. Time Lord. They're all oh, white yeah. British dudes. Yeah. Like, what? Like, the craziest thing we've had happen so far was one old white British dude regenerating into a black British woman. But yeah, still, like, human-ish. Yeah. Sorry. Humanoid. Um, we look Time Lord. Yeah, but, time. you know, it's like... It's not even, like... Star Trek levels where they're like put ridges on the nose right. yeah. to distinguish them at all. <laughs> or like looks on their heads. Exactly like humans. Exactly. And that's the thing is um, I don't understand why they, it's like sometimes they want to keep the mystery, but they forget what they've already, I don't know. I don't know. Nah. So needless to say, there was endless speculation about this. Um, and, I, and I can't tell you any of it. So, oh. well, I can tell you the speculation. I just can't tell you if any of it's right. Anyways, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Hey, guys, Noobs in the Whovian is actually brought to you by listeners like Victor, Jared, and James. If you find value in what we do like they do, here's what you can do. Go to noobsinthewhovian.com slash support. Find your favorite way of supporting your favorite podcast. And if you can't do that, support this one. Hey, uh, that brings us down to the Classic Who Connections. Let's listen to what Jared has to say about the fugitive of the Jadoon near the moon at a lagoon. Hello, Noobs in the Whovian. This is Jared with your Classic Who Connections for Fugitive of the Jadoon. And really, uh, I don't have any uh, Classic Who Connections for you today. And before I know, I've, I've changed the name to Classic Who Connection when I've only had one. But I don't even have one today. What I do have is a Classic Who Disconnection. That's what I'm going to call it. So... In this episode, the Doctor declares, makes the claim that when when looking at you know the other doctor um, yet to be identified doctor uh, using a weapon makes the claim that the doctor never uses weapons well that's just not true classic who doctors used weapons all the time 
New Who doctors have used weapons, but I'm here to talk about Classic Who. So Classic Who doctors have used weapons all the time. In fact, the Classic Who doctors have even used guns. You know, she claims to know her history, but this is in her history. I, I'm not really sure why they are trying to re rewrite this uh, or, or retcon it. Um, you know, they... I, I, I appreciated, I don't, I don't really love the way they used it, but I appreciated the way the doctor uh, in, uh, I don't know, an episode ago or two episodes ago said, you, you know, that my rules are changing all the time. And I was like, oh, well, at least that explains a lot of uh, why, you know, especially these days, she's really adamant about not using guns. Um, and, and that would explain it. But now they're just trying to wipe away the past <laughs> for whatever reason, uh, or hand hand wave, as the, as the Whovian often says, hand wave away the past. Um, maybe maybe that's uh, there's something coming. Maybe maybe something will explain it because this episode, while while not technically a two parter, was left on a cliffhanger. So maybe there's just something I'm missing. But for now. I'm calling this a classic who disconnection because you're uh, absolutely refuting the past of uh, a, you know classic who, and it, to me it's it seems like a little more than in, than just an inconsistency. But uh, so be it. That's that's what I have for uh, the classic who and uh, disconnections. And since I've got a that's pretty short today, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, you know this is call it Jared has feelings. Um, uh, you know, section, but the doctor has been uh, talking, uh, uh, repeatedly calling the the organizational structure of Team TARDIS or FAM. I don't know how to do a boomer voice either, but uh, FAM, uh, you, you know, as a as a flat organizational structure, structure. Uh, if I can do my best uh, um, Northern British accent there. Uh, anyway, which is not great, I know. Um, so, I just I'm curious about this. Uh, why why keep insisting that it's a flat structure? With a small team like that, every almost every small team has a flat structure. It's not like you're gonna say, all right, the doctor is like the CEO, and then Graham is the leader of the companions, uh, you know, the management of the companions reports to the doctor and the doctor filters everything through Graham and, and then and then it goes on to to the others. I mean, that in some ways, it's kind of how it works. Graham is kind of the leader of the companions, uh, but but it's not completely, you know, he's, he's not set up as middle management. You know, it doesn't always work that way. Um, I mean, when you have a small team, that's just what it is. It, it's a flat organizational structure. Uh, but the doctor is still the leader. It seems like she keeps saying that as if to say, well, I'm not the leader of it, but she definitely is. None of, none of the others can fly the TARDIS. None of them can uh, dictate where to go. They can make requests, of course, but you can make requests of a boss, um, you, you know, of a CEO. Uh, you know, that, that happens. It's maybe some places you can't, but, but that's pretty pretty common uh, with, a, with a hierarchical structure even. Um, which presumably is what they're what she's comparing against. She doesn't really say, but I, I, that's what I've assumed, because um, those are kind of the two known structures, most popular structures for for a, for a team. Um, so anyway, uh, I just it, this, that confuses me. What, what's the what's the point of uh, continuing to bring that up? So I throw it out there. Maybe maybe uh, you know noobs in the Whovian have something to say about it, um, but. 
uh, or, or maybe people can write in and say something about it. But it, it's just, it just seems a little little interesting to me. You know, the teams, small teams are by nature just flat organizational structure. To have a large organization, 100 workers, 200, thousands of workers, where you have a flat organizational structure, that's very rare, if at all. Um, if, if there are examples really of that size at all. But when you're talking about four people, you, you just you don't really have a hierarchy. It, it doesn't it's that doesn't exist just by nature of your small team. Um, so just confused about that. Wanted to bring it up. Uh, you know, Corbin can't be the only one to have feelings out there. Right. So uh, uh, Jared gets to have some feelings today. All right. That's that's what I got for you. Uh, I'll, I'll give you give you my ratings. I uh, I enjoyed this episode. Uh, they Jack Harkness is back. That was awesome. I was a little disappointed. All he was back to do was to give the companions an excuse to be somewhere else for a time, and and only to be you know sent back and and without him. But love seeing Jack Harkness. Uh, love the whole multi-doctor thing, and can't wait for that to get it further explained and and fleshed out. Um, you know, enjoyed where it was going. Eh, you know, parts that I didn't love, but still, I I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with this one. There were exciting moments as uh, as the Hoovian was was looking for when the the master was revealed in Spyfall, uh, where I was like, eh, I didn't really uh, have a I have a huge. Uh, like, oh my goodness moment uh, because it was the master because I'm always expecting the master to be back. Uh, I've I've been through that enough. Uh, but this had some huge moments for me. It's like, oh, Jack Harkness, no way. Oh my goodness, that's another doctor. No way. You know, and so that was, so what I, what I didn't get from Spyfall, I got here. So loved it. Um, not perfect, but I'm still giving it nine out of ten plot twists because I think there were like nine plot twists in this episode, uh, and then uh, nothing much creepy about it. Just giving it 25 creep levels. So thank you to the, uh, well, actually, just thank you to the noobs and the Hoovian for having me on because there was nothing, no connections listed on the uh, Tardis Wikia website. So thank you to noobs and the Hoovian for having me on. And I look forward to bringing you more Classic Who Connections next time. Let's get on our soapbox again. Because <laughs> Jared made me, um, made me realize something. Something he said uh, about, so the doctor had the line, uh, the doctor doesn't use Never guns. Never use gun- weapons. 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 Oh, yeah, weapons. weapons. Not even guns. Weapons. And obviously, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. And so I was thinking like, okay, I understand... This show has been running for 60 years and your like cultural views will shift. That's going to happen. And you want to be able to say, all right, uh, the things we've said in the past is not so good. We need to change that. We need to grow that. And so I was like, how would you do that? And I remember they've done that like last season when the 11th doctor met the first doctor and he was sexist as crap. Right. And Mm -hmm. what they did was they were like, right, good smack on the bottom. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, this is how we used to be, but we don't believe that anymore. That's not, you know, that's not the right thing to believe. As opposed to what they're doing here, where the doctor is trying to outright claim that she was never this way. Two minutes later, pow. Yep. Like, not not even just like, nowadays, I think guns are bad, which would be a great learning, not learning, like growth experience to have this previous incarnation of the doctor who uses guns and it's not a problem for her. And then we have this version of the Doctor where it's like guns are bad. And then you see like, okay, we growed or whatever. 
Grode. Grode? <laughs> Grude. We grew. And as opposed to what they're doing here, which is to try and straight up claim that the doctor does not use weapons. No, the doctor never grows or changes. Even or- if we were to accept that the 13th doctor never used weapons, like if that was true. It's not even. Even. It's not. If yeah. it was true... It would still be a terrible line because it's right. just not, yeah, it's not true, true of at all. Other doctor. You can say like, I don't, maybe I referring to the 13th, 13th yeah. doctor, but like, nah. Yeah. I it's agree. just not the right way to handle that. So, um, I was, I was, uh, do you remember where you were when we had the classic who disconnection? Do you remember where you were? I was here <laughs> three minutes ago. I just love it's like, it's like this historical episode. All right, mark it down, guys. Episode one seventy three, the classic Who yeah, disconnection. That's great. I love it. So that should be the newest uh, add-on segment, Jared. Anytime you find discontinuity, that'd be the classic Who yeah, disconnection. Uh, so he gave it a nine out of ten plot twists. I can't can't do the voice like he did. Plot. <laughs> um, I I thoroughly 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 loved this episode. I love the twist reveal. I love the sudden surprise appearance of of, um, of Captain Jack. Um, I love the Jadoon being back. I, I thought there, I, 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 we got a lot more of them this go around than we have sometimes in the past, and so I loved that. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna outdo Jared here. I'm gonna go nine point five out of ten broken Dang. horns. I mean, Trip's like, whoa, that's so high. Sitting over here with his relatively high. Which is? I don't know. Okay, this one was not very good. If you take out the last 10 minutes, it was a solid five. What? If you take out the plot twists, then. So, yeah, if you take out the show, it wasn't a good show. If you take out the plot twist at the very end, it was a five. I don't care about Captain Jack. That was kind of cool for a second there, and they didn't use him. Yeah, the plot twisted. I, oh, I do think he was. It was the doctor. That was stupid, but okay, I'll what? take it. What is I'll take problem? it. It was lame. It was a dumb way to shoehorn in. Oh wait, there's another doctor now. That was so dumb. But I don't know. Eight, eight, eight uh, fugitive doctors. Because so I you just like crapped all over it. But what was the redeeming thing? The redeem at the end where like. Everything started to wrap up, and now we got a mystery that we need to solve. Oh, you mean the massive monologue that I didn't like? I looked at where Corbin was checking Google News. <laughs> yeah, Corbin's <laughs> like, like, is there anything better to watch? watch. <laughs> yeah, no. So you just crapped all over it, and then you're like, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. I don't understand you. All right, Corbin, what's yours? That monologue really pulled it all together. Corbin? Uh, mm, yeah. You know, it wasn't... It wasn't ten, terrible. Two out of 10. Again... Uh, the doctor's inconsistent and that was a boring the, monologue at the end. I really didn't. That was kind of boring. boring monologue. It was just him going on and on what? and on about. I really, I agree with show don't tell for sure. And okay, I don't. I didn't like that at all. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I don't have a whole lot else to say. They're like. Two I, you know, lines you, you of You just dialogue. said you agree with show, don't tell. But the number of times on this podcast where you've said, why didn't they explain it to okay. us? You know, I'm as inconsistent yeah. as the doctor. <laughs> yeah, I'm as inconsistent as the show that I love to hate. I just so have much. to make stuff myself. Okay. Because that's the only way I'll be satisfied. There, that's but. what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for your breakout hit sitcom. <laughs> science fiction sitcom. 
<laughs> what? What? That's not musical. What? So what's your score? Uh, um, mm, I guess I'll also give it eight out of what? ten. Okay. Jadoon. What? I said You're I don't have a whole me. lot to say. You made about fun it. of me because I rated it eight. Yeah, I said yeah, it wasn't terrible. All over it. I said it wasn't terrible. It was like two things I didn't like. The ending bit where they were going on and on. It started strong. The middle was absolutely horrible, and they ended it well. <laughs> wow! Why did you hate the middle so much? <laughs> I don't. Understand. It was the. <sighs> All right. So creep level. Creep level. What? One. <laughs> <laughs> right. Jared, Jared gave it 25. Like, Trip gave it the one. The Jadoon was cool. I don't know if there was anything really creepy in here. Yeah, I'll go I'll go 25 with Jared. Corbin, what about you? <clears throat> uh, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 10. I don't know. There's nothing in there. Yeah. All right. All right, so that brings us down to theories. So we've been saying who is the timeless child, but the new question is who is the fugitive doctor? And then I'll throw in there any connection. Um, well, so we've got, okay, we've got the timeless child. We've got the destruction of Gallifrey. We've got, obviously the master knows something. Mm -hmm. Now we have an unknown uh, regeneration of the doctor. Go crazy. What do y'all think? I don't well, know. I think that the fugitive doctor must have something to do with the Thomas child as it like this is the this is what they're hiding from the doctor is this other doctor. Who, so like wait, the who's, time, who's the time, they? Okay, so the Thomas child is the fugitive doctor. That that's the same person, I feel like. And then I like they're somehow trying to hide the fugitive doctor from uh, thirteen. And the, and the master found it out. I don't know who they is. They is like the Time Lords. They is probably the Time Lords. All right, so the Timeless Child is the Fugitive Doctor. Yes. Who is being uh, like. hidden from 13 yeah. by the Time Lords. By, by the Time Lords. Any speculation on what? I don't know. Okay. And the master found out. Yeah, the, the master found out, which we already know that part. Okay. But Right. Well, we know, yeah, we know the master found out found something out that caused him to destroy Gallifrey. Yeah. Corbin? <clears throat> um, I don't know. I just feel like, as I've already said, they're already just saying with the whole regeneration, like the fact that she's from the classic era or whatever, they're already just saying, we're basically going to make up whatever we want to to make sure, sure this fits. I feel like there's nothing I can use right now to actually speculate <laughs> <Yeah>. on. Yeah. <laughs> right, because something that could happen in the next episode that completely it rewrites completely everything else as well. Yeah. yeah. And I, I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, if I try and use anything from it, the show so far as the basis, it could just be completely yeah. overwritten. You have to wait till like two episodes to the end and be like, aha, I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, you, or trip, like you did that one time, you were like, yeah, I knew. 13 seconds before it was revealed. Like, and then yeah. count. It was yeah. like, all right. So you got, minutes. so you got nothing. I'm tempted to say that she's the timeless child. I, mm, I kind of hope that isn't true. I think it might be. <laughs> That'd be a cool. I don't know. Storyline. I just like. make new characters, make the timeless child be someone we haven't met. 
And maybe they will. Yeah, and then yeah. I'll be happy. Wait, but the fugitive yeah, doctor son one that we just met. True. So. To make I think Corbin's point is the surprise twist reveal of this mysterious character this week was it's the doctor. Yeah. It's like. Okay, so now. You know, everybody in Star Wars is your dad. Or yeah. Whatever, you know. <laughs> or whatever. Or your great sister. <laughs> you want to cover that you one? You know what I mean? Like. If there's a mysterious character, it's obviously the father or mother of someone we already know. Yeah. Like that's how <laughs> like the universe five of Star Wars other works. Guys who are already- yeah. Because there's five important because- people in the whole universe. Yeah. It's exactly. A- yeah. Two two important families. I feel like that's how this is. Like if it's gonna be a twist reveal of who is this character, it's the doctor, the master, the Daleks, the Cybermen, you know, all the biggest <laughs> people. You like it's a river. You know what's funny? Yeah, yeah. it's river. Yeah. What's funny is, um, for you know, nigh on sixty years now, fans have speculated. Anytime there's an unknown character, like I guarantee you, watching this episode, there were people who assumed that Ruth was either Susan Foreman or the Rami, because that is what so many fans constantly want to see a return of. They want to see Susan Foreman come back. And I kind of do too. Yeah. Knowing how she got left, I kind of do too. Or the Rami, and uh, which was a, a Time Lord character from Classic Who um, that we actually got to see a, a couple of regenerations of. And people are constantly, if there's a mysterious character or even a character, like even if they're not mysterious, just like anytime somebody shows up, like I think a lot of people thought River was going to turn out to be the Rami, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And... Um, and what's funny is they always want that to be the case and it never has. But that kind of plays into what you're talking about, Corbin, is that so many times it's like, oh, it's the master. Oh, it's the doctor. Oh, yeah. it's, you know, like it's going to be some established thing that we already know. Oh, it's, oh, it's River. I want to start you doing know. that. I'm just going to guess before we start yeah, watching the, the episode. Like, <laughs> the master's in this one. Guys. Who is this special guest star is the master as the doctor. Yeah. Wait, what? And you could rule out uh this person being the master because we just saw a new regeneration of the masters so you're down to like 33 percent chance that you get it right i want to see in season 14 rtd i know you're taking notes i want to see in season 14 uh there's been speculation about matt smith returning trip didn't we talk about this yeah i was reading this article that said that started off saying after hanging up their sonic screwdriver no actor has ever returned to the role. And I'm like, that's objectively not true because in multiple doctor stories, you have it happen constantly, right? And unless they meant full time, but I'm like, that's a lousy way of writing that, right? But the article was taking something that Matt Smith said in an interview and running bananas with it. It was like, oh, I like Doctor Who. No, it it was Matt Smith basically said, Something along the lines of, I would love to return if the timing worked out. I think he meant for an anniversary special or a multiple doctor special. I don't think he meant I want to come back and be the 14th doctor or 15th or whatever. Yeah. But so here's what I want to see. Partly to play into that wild speculation and then partly just because this would be amazing. I want to see in season 14, I want to see whoever the 14th doctor is, right? Not, Not somebody we've already had. A brand new actor, actress playing the 14th Doctor meets Matt Smith. Like the human being? No, 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 no. Meets, uh, meets a character no, played by Matt Smith. Oh. 
And it turns out to be the master <laughs> who stole the face of the 11th doctor. So Wouldn't that awesome. be amazing? Oh my gosh. And actually, now that I'm saying that, I don't want that to be the case. No, no, I, I, I want that because so many people have speculated about the doctor coming back yeah. and everybody would be going crazy saying that it's just like the Ruth thing. It's it's going to turn out he's he's got a chameleon arch. It's actually the 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 doctor or whatever. I want it to be that for that reason, mm-hmm. but on a pure actor playing the character role, I oh. want David Tennant <laughs> yeah, to, to come back and play the master guy. Can you imagine? That'd be so amazing. David Tennant as the master uh-huh. who stole one of the doctor's regeneration faces. <laughs> Because we've seen that there's some control, you know, the Capaldi's face, um, Tom Baker coming back as the, as the curator and all this kind of stuff. How awesome would it be to have the master come back having copied one of the doctor's previous faces? And then you can, then you hand wave away the age difference and all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, it's the master. Anyways. All right. Um, so that's my wild speculation in theory. Um, guys, for the game plan, there is still no word on when Series 13 will premiere, but there was other big news, and I just sort of hinted at that if you haven't already heard. It's been officially announced that Russell T. Davies is coming back as the showrunner. And I was Save just... Save us, Russell T. Davies. <laughs> yes. I've seen several people saying that basic thing. I just saw an article I was reading, I read about half of it, that said um, said two things that were kind of amazing. They said... No network, no studio would do something like this if they weren't trying to write a sinking ship. What? They wouldn't bring back a beloved showrunner unless they were trying to do a desperate move to save the show. The second thing that this, this author pointed out was Russell T. Davies is on record as having said, he would always come back if Doctor Who was in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) He's on record having said that. And now he's coming back? (laughs) That sounds like it's in trouble. Even the BBC thing, Doctor Who's turned? Uh, Yeah. yeah. So at any rate, Russell T. Davies coming back for uh, season 14. And uh, presumably, I think he's coming back for the centenary special um, the, the, the regeneration, regeneration episode for Whitaker, um, that is also supposed to tie into the hundredth anniversary celebration for the BBC. I'm not clear. I think he's coming back for that. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's unclear. So at any rate, he's a coming back. Uh, so looking forward to that next week, guys, we're covering series 12, episode six, Praxius. And until then, don't forget that Noobs in the Whovian is a production of Master Closet Studios, where it's always smaller on the inside. Your senior producer is me, Austin Reason. Your audio engineer is this guy. I'm Trip. Your production editor is that guy. I'm Corbin. Special thanks to the TARDIS.Wikia.com for the trivia. Thanks to Jared for his Classic Who connections. And shout outs as always to Victor, Jared, and James for their ongoing Patreon support. You can find us over at NoobsInTheWhovian.com where you'll find links over to our social media, our email address, big old subscribe button, all that kind of stuff. And wherever you do find us and download us, make sure that you do subscribe. I do, I do desperately want to know. Is there anybody who listens to a podcast that is not subscribed to the podcast? Hmm. It's the only way I know to listen to a podcast. Yeah. You find one, you go, oh, that's a cool subscribe. Every like that's how you, you get it like, in your podcatcher. Yeah, because like, otherwise me, you have to like look it up every time you want to listen to it. Right. Yeah. Anyways. So if you haven't, do. And then make sure uh, if you, wherever you found us gives you the ability to leave a rating, do that. 
not just some stars, but leave us an actual review. Tell us what you think. And also share us with a friend, not because we're a great show, but because we watch one. As always, my name is Austin. I'm the Hoovy, and these are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And we're the news. And until next time, be safe if you can, but always be amazing. Goodbye. He remembered this week. Be whip. Live from Master Closet Studios, sound check number two for Trip. I thought I was number one. Uh. He's number three. <laughs>